You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 14th, 2018. Happy Valentine's Day. I'll be spending mine over at the Amway Center, as I'm sure some of you will too. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. And the trade deadline is in the rearview mirror, and I felt like we needed to bring on our personal cap expert and guru, Keith Smith of Real GM and the Front Office Show. Keith, how do you how do you like being uh you know my personal everyday cap guru? <laughs> hey, it's it's better than a lot of things I could be. So it's uh, <laughs> it, as as I tell people, it was a lot of uh, a lot of probably time misspent at times on uh on spending as much time as I did on the cap. But but I'm I'm happy that uh, pe- people think highly enough of me to ask me their cap related questions. Yep, and of course you know whenever you get into transactions, you know people love throwing names together in the trade machine. Uh, but every trade and every moment where there are trades, we have to talk about the salary cap and we have to talk about uh, how moves affect what happens in the future because, of course, this is a capped league and this is a money league and money matters uh, for a lot of things, especially for what the Magic did at the trade deadline. So I wanted to make sure I had you on, just get a get a glimpse of what the Magic might do this offseason as well as where the Magic are positioned now that the trade deadline has passed. Of course, um, the Magic made the one move at the trade deadline, one that a lot of people expected, Orlando moving on from Alfred Payton. Uh, before we get into the de- the details of that deal, um, get, get a little bit of your basketball analysis here. Uh, was it time to pass to, to pass up on Alfred Payton? Yeah, I think it was only from the standpoint of... So my I have a personal thing against point guards who can't shoot. And Most people you, do. Yeah, it's it's just it makes everything for the rest of your offense so much more difficult when that lead guy cannot shoot the ball. It just it it, it eliminates it shrinks the floor. It allows everybody to stay closer to their own guys, and it just makes it that much harder. Now that's not to say he's not a very good player in in a lot of other areas. But I am a big believer if you can't shoot as a point guard, then you need to be absolutely elite in other areas. And I don't know that Alfred Payton's elite. I think he's very good in a lot of other areas. I just don't know that he's elite. Now, was it time? Probably. And that gets into the money. This deal said to me that the Magic hit the point where it was, we're not going to pay you this summer, no matter what it is. And you're not going to take an offer that's so ridiculously low. And we don't even want to get to the point where you even sign your qualifying offer. So we're just gonna we're just gonna move on from this situation now. And that's what they did with taking, you know, what some are still up in arms about as a very low return. For me, I think it was a they took the best that they could get. Yeah, and, and there are obviously a lot of dynamics uh, involved in that. We'll get into those in just a moment. But I, I think I, I think I agree with you. I, I it's not so much that um, it's not so much that I think Peyton. The shooting problem is a problem, and, and it's it's one that the Magic could never get over. Um, I was on Locked On Suns, or I will be on Locked On Suns Wednesday. I recorded it today on Tuesday um, to talk about Alfred Payton and, and, and to preview what Phoenix Suns fans can expect from him. And I felt like I was trashing him a little bit too much because I was emphasizing a lot of the reasons why he didn't work in Orlando. Um, the, the lack of shooting, I think, was among those. The poor defense to me was the biggest thing. If you're not going to shoot, if you're not going to be able to shoot— um, 
you need to at least be able to defend at a very high yep. level. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Ricky Skricka of, of Orlando Magic Daily did a really deep dive on his numbers uh, on the defensive end uh, as much as you can, I guess, defensively. Uh, but Peyton did not measure out well defensively. You could watch it and see that he did not measure out well defensively. The team really struggled with him at the point of attack. Uh, and especially with the other defenders they have, uh, it it really was difficult for, for Orlando to to play at a high level defensively with him on the floor. Uh, and, and of course, they have some other poor defenders there too. And so it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in a new environment. Um, may, you know, Phoenix isn't a great defensive team either, so that's probably not going to help him either. But, um, you know, most Magic fans are probably the most upset that the Magic only got a second-round pick. It looks like it's, it, by all reports, it is the second most favorable of Phoenix's three second-round picks. They're, they're, they have one from Memphis, one from Charlotte, and one from Miami. So it looks like it would be that Charlotte pick, which would come probably in the late 30s, early 40s in the draft. You said it was kind of a, a kind of a dump for Orlando, for Orlando, but you know, with some of the with one of the other rumors that was out there that the Knicks were really interested in him, but kept wanting to tag Joachim Noah into the deal. Um, they wouldn't uh, the Magic wouldn't budge unless Frank Tilakina was coming back come, coming back to them. Uh, is that what what did that say about the market that developed for for Alfred Payton, or or what does that say in general that that's all the Magic could do? Yeah, so two things on that. One, that's absolutely the right move is to not take back bad salary. I mean, at that point, <laughs> especially just Yoki Noah's salary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like people are saying, oh, we just got to get rid of Biz. Salary. And I'm like, yeah. Noah doesn't even play. Like, Biz <laughs> no. at least plays. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a it's funny. I without spinning totally off topic here. I, one of the things that I say about about Bismack Biombo is people always bring up. I did not put. I wrote for Real GM the ten, you know, basically the ten least tradable players in the NBA, and a lot of people were responding back with, "Why is Biombo not on here?" And I'm like, he started over half the year, and he's still at least a decent defender and rebounder. Like, yeah, he's way overpaid. But he's nowhere near like a like a Noah who doesn't even play, you know. So that's that's interesting. So, but to go back to your question on what does it say about his market, I just don't think there was one. That was one of the things that we learned this trade deadline. That was some restricted free agents. The Celtics, for example, floated Marcus Smart around. Somewhat a similar player to Alfred Payton in that he, he can't shoot either, but he's but a at much, least a, much better defensive player. Yeah, absolutely. He's an elite defender and he can really defend one through most fours now in the league as well. So that's you know very versatile guy in that sense. But they shopped him around and they 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 were looking to get a first round pick because then they were going to spin that off in another deal. And that never came to play. And there were a couple other restricted free or upcoming restricted free agents mentioned out there on the market. And none of those guys really any traction. So to me, that said the magic, put it out there, looked, they made the correct decision to not take back any bad money. That's the last thing they need to be doing right now. And then it was basically, all right, we're not going to pay them. If this pick from Phoenix is the best pick we can get, then let's go do it. I I, for, I know if a lot of people who listen to your show probably listen to the Dunked On podcast. And one of the things that Danny LaRue talks about is when he used to work in the ticket industry, there's a point where you just take whatever you can get because otherwise you've lost money. And that's kind of not that the Magic were going to lose money, but you just weren't. If you weren't, if he was not part of the future and wasn't going to be here, just take whatever you can get. And that's what they did. And you can't fault the team for taking that approach necessarily. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, again, a lot of people look at only the on court, on court impact. And mm-hmm. Alfred Payton is going to put up numbers with the Phoenix Suns. That's what he yeah, did in Orlando. Absolutely. He put up numbers. And Phoenix 
They probably have some better shooters. Um, they're going to give him the ball. They're going to let him create. He's going to put up numbers, not like he did Monday night against Gold State every night, but yeah, that kind of performance is going to happen. Uh, we've seen Alfred Payton do it, and, and uh, several Magic fans, myself included, kind of said, I've seen this story before. Alfred Payton putting up a lot of numbers and his team losing by, you know, at least last, at least Monday night, 40-something points, but yeah. but losing. Uh, and I think ultimately what it came down to with Alfred Payton was, again, was like you said, the Magic did not see him as part of their future. Um, for you know, for a variety of reasons, um, and and there are plenty, and I think one of them has to do with he it as good as much as his numbers were good, and as as much of an impact as he can make, it didn't really feel like his play impacted winning. He was putting, and not to say that he was put. I mean, I'm essentially saying he put up empty stats, but it, it didn't feel like from the point guard position he was making his teammates better. And some of that is team construction. But some of that is just the kind of player and, and somewhat the kind of leader that maybe Alfred Payton is, and he needs to be in a different environment if he's going to succeed or or you know playing kind of a reserve role, which is what a lot of us uh, thought about as well. So it's a different it's a different opportunity for Alfred Payton. Of course, we wish him the best. Um, you know, I, I think that he'll find a place in the in the NBA. But you know, the biggest question that I also ask people who are like, "Oh, the Magic should have kept Payton. You don't give up on a young player." The question I ask them is, so how much are you going to pay him? So Keith, I ask you this question, and it'll get into some of the larger issues entering this free agency period. How much are you going to pay Alfred Payton this summer? <laughs> yes, so that's the hard thing. So this is a good chance to kind of talk about the, what the landscape of the NBA is going into this summer. Because I don't think, I think people are still thinking what it's looked like the last couple of off seasons, where you had... 10, 15, 20 teams even with a ton of cap space. And that's what created the Joachim Noah contract, the quite frankly, the Bismack Biombo contract. Um, that It's not like that anymore. We are now back to what I call our steady state, which is there's only going to be maybe seven teams-ish or so with cap space. And only three or four of those teams are going to have a ton of cap space, meaning, you know, 20 to 30 to $50 million. And it's, that's more of our steady state. It's usually one or two teams go, which then means the trade market is more robust because that's the way you move guys or the sign in trade is back into play. They'd kind of fallen out of favor for a couple of years because you didn't need to, you just sign the guy outright. So that'll come back into play. So if for a guy like Alfred Payton being a restricted free agent, there's not a Brooklyn Nets sitting out there anymore that are just going to throw restricted free agents max offer sheets if for no other reason than, than to screw up the incumbent team's cap sheet. Now, that's not to say the Nets didn't want Otto Porter and wouldn't have been happy to get him. But they were just as happy to have Washington have to pay him all that money and kind of take them out of the market as a contender down the line. They obviously wanted Alan Crabb because they went out and traded him, but yeah. or traded for him, I should say. They, they pulled a Hito Turkoglu. They signed him. They signed <laughs> exactly. him to the deal they didn't want him at to begin yep. with, <laughs> and, then, and then then went and got him. Um, now, so so when you look at it, so let's look at the teams that that project to have a good amount of cap space. The Atlanta Hawks, they don't need a point guard. They already have Dennis Schroeder. They're not going to go after Alfred Payton. The Nets, they've got D'Angelo Russell. They've still got Jeremy Lin's money there. They're probably not going to go after him. The Bulls, they've got more point guards than they know what to do with <laughs> in young ones. Dallas Mavericks feels like half a, half their roster is, is point guards or point guard-sized players. The Indiana Pacers, maybe, but he doesn't really fit their MO. For what they we, know, we know how Alfred Payton and Victor Oladipo work <laughs> Victor, together. We know, exactly. we, know how that ha- we know how that works. <laughs> 
Yeah, now, now Victor is a different player than he was at that point. But, yeah, the L.A. Lakers, they've got bigger plans. And now, now you're down to the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, they have a six foot ten, a six foot eleven point guard who can't shoot. They don't need a six foot four one. That's really it for teams with cap space. So what that says to me is there's not going to be anybody who can make an offer sheet that now is going to make the Phoenix Suns sweat. So that puts it all in Phoenix's camp. They can just wait it out, wait it out, wait it out. And I'm going to advocate for Alfred Payton the same thing I'm advocating for Marcus Smart. Maybe the best route, just sign the qualifying offer and then be an unrestricted free agent this summer. How restricted free agency works to give a quick primer is teams have to offer a what's called a qualifying offer, which says here's a one year contract worth at least this much. That's how you retain match rights as the incumbent team. The player can sign that qualifying offer the minute it's it's offered. That's what happened with Alex Len this summer, for example. He signed it from the Suns, and now he'll be an unrestricted free agent this coming summer. That could be the best route for guys like Peyton or Smart because I don't know that the contract they want is there this summer. Next summer, there might be another little cap jump, not what it was the last couple and that might free up some money and maybe make the market a little more robust for them or they might be stuck taking seven eight million a season from from their current teams maybe 10 if those teams are really feeling generous to that may be what they end up having to take to get themselves into a position where now that's their long-term deal over you know four seasons or so yeah, and, and and there's a lot of big questions I think about the the overall landscape of the of the NBA summer, and and he hit on a lot of them there. Um, but one more question about Peyton, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, just you know, aside from maybe the Magic having internally made this decision to that Peyton's no longer our guy, would there be, have been a benefit to the Magic to try and get him back on the qualifying offer and give him another year? Would would, would that have been something that the Magic should have at least explored? Because you know, playing devil's advocate here. Peyton is, for all his flaws, is a productive player. He is probably still the best point guard on this Magic team. It, it's it's not like there's a lot of point guards in this draft anyway. I mean, I think there's plenty of people who would argue the Magic should have just taken a point guard in the last draft when there were a ton of point guards. Is is there an argument or, or could the Magic have kept him at the qualifying offer and just played things out from there? Yeah, they absolutely could have. I think it comes down to two things. One is you only really want to play that game if one, if you're a contender, either a title contender or a playoff contender, and you are, that guy's going to, might be the difference between one way or another. The Magic obviously aren't there, and they're probably not going to be there next season either. So so that to me is, that would be one reason you keep the guy. That's that's kind of the Marcus Smart scenario, right? If you're the Celtics, you don't just give him away, because even if he signs a qualifying offer, you still have a good player who's a rotation piece for you when you have big goals as a franchise. The other thing, though, is what you have to look at is, and this is what I think comes more into play with the Magic is, this This is the thing I think people forget. The Magic front office that's in place today, they didn't draft Alfred Payton. They have no attachment to Alfred Payton. He's not somebody they have to go to. If Rob Hennigan was still here, that becomes much harder for him to give him up because he was the one who paid to go get the guy. So and I not, think and it, not only that, probably forced a coach to resign because of the, you know, by all, by some accounts, the disagreement he had over this particular player, like Hennigan died on the Alfred Payton Hill. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things where I tweeted it when the trade went down. I mean, 
it's always easier to look back. But Sam Hinkie, he worked Rob Hennigan he did. in that whole scenario. He got a he got his he got his own pick back in in all you know respects. Then he got the guy he really wanted anyway in Dario Saric just by picking Peyton. And you know he knew that's who Hennigan wanted, and he you know stepped in there and said, "I'll just take him." And then now you're going to have to trade for him and give me something else to get it. So it's one of those things where that's what I think some people forget is Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, they, he's not their guy. So they have no attachment to him to make this work. That's not to say that they dislike him or he's a bad guy. It's got nothing to do with it. It's strictly a basketball move. So if they've determined he's not part of the future, it's, it's, it's better to get something than nothing. And maybe their thought process was we're better off with – veteran X, whether that be DJ Augustin or Shelvin Mack or somebody else that they bring in and moving forward, then we are better having Alfred Payton around because if you keep him around, you're going to go into the, the whole next season all the way up to the trade deadline with all the same questions of, well, is it better to trade him or is it better to keep him? Can we win with him? Can we do all that? Sometimes I think it's the best decision is just to make that clean break. Yeah. For sure. Um, before we move off uh, off the trade deadline and talk a little bit more about free agency, as, as, as you've already alluded to, there are some really interesting trends that are going to develop in this free agency. And of course, the Magic, I think, are going to be front and center in, in that restricted free agent market um, this, this summer for, for obvious reasons, his name being Aaron Gordon. Um, <laughs> yep. How how what what do you think happened with the uh, with the Magic's other trade assets at the trade deadline? It sounded like there was some interest in Evan Fournier. His contract's obviously a little bit of an impediment. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross were hurt. It sounded like Jonathan Simmons got some trade interest that the Magic never really bit on or or had a high high asking price. There, there was the rumor, of course, that the Magic shopped Aaron Gordon around just to kind of see what they could get and evaluate what his market was. What what, what do you think happened with some of those other? pieces that that the magic were looking at and, and how how do they look like they're going to play out maybe this offseason when it's time to start trading again yeah the real snarky wise guy answer is what trade assets right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you ain't lying but but no but they do have some guys right and you mentioned it i think evan fournier that's just a little too rich for anybody to bite on um especially the teams he could have helped because you really you're only trading for him if you're a playoff contender um or a title contender and that becomes hard because you're probably sending one or two guys out then and and is he better than any one or two guys somebody else would send no, probably not, unless the Magic take, take back bad money, which, again, we already talked. They made clear they weren't going to do. Then then you get into guys like Vooch and Ross. They're both hurt, so that's probably not going to happen anyway because it's it's if you're trading for them, you want them to come in and be ready to go. And I know they're both getting Especially closer. Especially at the deadline. Exactly, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. You need guys to be – you would have needed an assurance that coming out of the All-Star break or shortly thereafter – they're ready to go and they're going to play. And, and and that may be the case with Nikola Vucevic. May, may, we'll see, right? It, it sounds like he's getting close from all reports. Ross, eh, I, we'll, we'll see. So that really leaves. Ross is much further away. Let's, let's, let's yeah, put it that way. He's, I think, I think they said he just started running yeah. full court uh, last week. I'll be honest, just personal opinion. This is not reporting anything. I'd be kind of surprised if we even see him again. Maybe, it wouldn't maybe. surprise me either. Maybe it's one of those throw them in for a couple of games in the last couple of weeks of the season, just so it's more of the clear the mental hurdle of. And I think, I mean, I think, and I think, I mean, to some extent, and then this is why I think we will see Vooch and Ross for at least a little bit. 
I think that they got to show the rest of the league that they're healthy um, yeah. for the summer. Like you got to yep. show, hey, these guys are healthy. That you can see yep. them play here. They're ready to go if you want to this summer. Hundred percent. So, so because, like, I mean, I, I I'm sorry to cut you off. Here. No, no, go ahead. I think that this is what everyone forgets about the trade deadline. Just because the trade deadline has passed doesn't mean conversations have stopped. Absolutely. In yep. fact, I would imagine. I mean, I would imagine. Many of the conversations you have at the trade deadline continue into the summer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, no, and, absolutely. And that, it's a year-round job. It isn't a February and June job, yep. or February, June, and July job. You're, you're working at this all year long. And yeah, so the, these conversations continue. The, the thing I've had executives tell me is, dead, while deadlines spur action, deadlines do not spur conversation. Conversations happen all the time. Let, let's use two two examples. One was just at this trade deadline, the, the big trade the Cavs made the, with the Lakers, the Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance for Isaiah Thomas and Channing Frye. Word is that had been talked about for a couple days in advance. So it wasn't like that came together the morning of the trade deadline. Now, there may have been pieces swapped in and out. And a bigger trade that we know was talked about last year at the deadline was Jimmy Butler potentially being moved to the to the Timberwolves. There were some talks there. They couldn't get it done and didn't get there. But then now you already had some baseline conversations, a little bit of a framework established, and then that came together obviously very quickly at the draft. So that's that's what happens. These teams continue to keep talking. You're absolutely right. If I'm a if I'm another GM in another city and I'm interested at all in Vooch, I need to see him on the court. I can't just say, all right, well, the last time I saw him play was what December, December twenty third. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I can't say, you know, that's the last time I saw him play and I'm good to go. You know, I'll trade for him off of that. I need to see him out there and make sure he's okay. Terrence Ross, same thing. I need to make sure that knee's okay and is healthy. To go flip all the way back to your question, though, so at the trade deadline, we went through it all. So that really left Simmons and Gordon. They're not going to trade Simmons unless they get a whole bunch back because he's on a great contract. Declining contract, only you know six point three million this year goes down to six million. Then it's only partially guaranteed in that final year for only a million, but five point seven million. He's obviously worth that. You know, at uh, probably on a really good team, Jonathan Simmons is your anywhere from your sixth to eighth man, and that's you know you, you need guys like that when you're going to be really good. And the Magic have one. They just they just need the other. They the need, like, like like it's most of their man. players, like most of their players, they need to get them in the right role. Uh, exactly. Simmons, Simmons yeah. is miscast as whatever he is right now. Yep. Same way that Evan Fournier is, same way that probably Aaron Gordon is to some extent. But yeah, when when they played great at the beginning of the year, Simmons was coming off the bench and doing exactly what you wanted to see. He was an energy guy. He was creating plays, you know, making things happen on both ends of the floor. That's what you want. So they're not going to trade him unless they get something really good back. That's again, teams aren't really necessarily looking for that because they're not going to, he's not a much of a difference maker that teams are going to give up a big package. That leaves Aaron Gordon. We all heard it. They shopped Aaron. No, I, let me rephrase. They didn't shop Aaron Gordon. Yeah, that's, that's my that's my that's my poor phrasing. I apologize for that. Everyone. No, that's okay. And, and I've said I just said it too. <laughs> so <laughs> it's I think it was we'll listen. You know, we're not necessarily looking to move him, but come in and blow me away. Sure, I'll talk. And so I think what became with Aaron Gordon was let's see what's out there. Now again, Gordon's a restricted free agent this summer, but let's let's just say 
I'm completely making this up, so I don't want anybody to be like, Keith Smith said. But let's just say it was the Miami Heat said, hey, we love Aaron Gordon. We want to trade for him right now. And they just couldn't come together on it. Well, he's a restricted free agent this summer. Now the Magic could call them back and say, hey, you still interested in Gordon? How will we work a sign-in trade? That's part of setting that market for the summer. But what it also does is it allows uh, Weltman and Hammond to go back and say to Aaron Gordon's camp, there wasn't a lot of interest out there, or there was, but I'm not sure what's going on. It also allows Gordon's camp to say, hey, I know Team X was really trying to trade for this guy. They're interested in signing him this summer. Nothing happened today or last week. I was going to say today, but last week at the trade deadline. But it could have set things in motion for later. Or the magic, what I personally think happened was nobody blew us away. So we are perfectly content to keep our really good young player and we'll keep them right here in the fold because no one And that's some great away. information from Keith Smith. More coming from Keith Smith in just a moment. But some great information here too, especially if you play fantasy basketball. If you love fantasy basketball, you need to listen up right now and try my favorite new app, Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play real-life snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Here's how it works. It's a draft, lasts just for one night, and there's no management. You just draft your team, and you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Your draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part? Play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there is a draft for literally everyone. No salary caps, no complicated formulas, no trying to find bargains. No, this is all about you versus the people in your league and coming up with the best team. Playing a real-life snake draft just like you play with your friends in a season-long league, but in daily fantasy. Come and join me on Draft today. Download the app at any time. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes. Or play right from your computer on Draft.com. Whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use my promo code LOMAGIC. That's LOMAGIC. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code LOMAGIC on your first deposit on draft. And good luck. Yeah, and, and of course, I think that's the next place that we need to go. Um you know, I wanted to bring you on to, to to discuss the trade deadline, get a recap of it. But of course, when one trade season passes, you look forward to the next one. And that's, of course, the offseason, which I think a lot of Magic fans have had their eyes on for a while anyway, because the season's been pretty much lost since December. Um, obviously, the biggest piece to the Magic summer is Aaron Gordon. And this is, this is definitely where we need to kind of ease ourselves into what this free agent market's going to look like this, this summer, like, like we've talked about a little bit already. Like you, like you said, there isn't a lot of money to throw around. Mm-hmm. So what is Aaron Gordon's restricted free agency going to look like? So we talked about Alfred Payton, right? And part of with Payton is he's tough to fit because he's a point guard who can't shoot. Aaron Gordon's not that. Aaron Gordon's an athletic 3-4, probably more 4 than 3, but he can you know, hold his own at the 3 enough that he is he's an improving shooter. Even though, you know, he he's dropped as the season's gone along, but that's because he was just, you know, flames literally shooting off his body to start the year. But he's a much improved shooter. So when you go through that same list of teams I gave you that have cap space, any one of those teams, 
I could easily see them throwing Aaron Gordon a max offer, or not necessarily a max, but a good offer sheet. You know, what about the Indiana Pacers? What if they were like, hey, you know, we could use a forward here. Thaddeus Young's getting a little older. Add another athletic guy to play in our up-tempo, up-and-down style. They could throw a ton of money at Aaron Gordon. What if the Lakers miss out completely on their other free agents? He'd look really good alongside Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and guys like that. You have the Philadelphia 76ers. They're another team that could say, you know, hey, maybe we'll throw you know, an offer at them. The Dallas Mavericks, they love those kind of combo forwards that are athletic. All of those teams you could easily envision saying – we would go after Aaron Gordon. That's what makes him different from Alfred Payton. Payton, it's harder to see that. So this is where I think what the Magic will do is they're obviously going to give him a qualifying offer because they're going to retain those match rates. They're not just going to let him walk away without at least having a shot at matching any kind of offer. So that means Gordon's going to be on the books for a capital. This is where it gets really tough, and this is why I've had some Magic fans ask me why do how do we not have cap space this summer you know where is our cap space it's all got to aaron gordon (laughs) it's all aaron gordon his cap holds gonna be 16.5 million dollars and that's pretty close to the max cap space the magic can get to anyway so so there you are (laughs) there it is there's all your your it's going to be held up in gordon till a decision is made is aaron gordon going to make 16.5 million dollars next year yeah, it's probably in that range would be my guess. He's he's too good to take much less than that. I don't know that he's so good that he's going to get much more than that, but probably somewhere between that 15 to 20 million range. Now, whether that's from Orlando or not, we'll see. And I think one of the things that's going to matter for Gordon is what happens with Jonathan Isaac the rest of this season. Again, another guy sounds like he's getting a little bit closer, sounds like he should be back shortly after the All-Star break. If he comes back and really looks terrific and looks like, hey, this is the kid we can build around, well, now the Magic's willingness, desire, ability, whatever it is to pay Aaron Gordon a ton of money might change a little bit. It's not that they can't play together, but there's a lot of overlap in in those two guys positionally. So what you might then see is the Magic might all of a sudden be like, I don't know. And then maybe what that does is it opens them up to, well, maybe we do need to work a sign and trade. Maybe you move Gordon to get that point guard you need or a wing score or a, you know another a more modern big man or something like that that fits um the team a little bit better in their trajectory so he to me is one of the more interesting free agents this summer because again the magic have all the control here he they can make him a restricted free agent so they're going to be the ones who say go get what you can get and maybe maybe we'll just match it and what's really kind of cool with this process is we don't know. I know John Hammond's been around for a long time. We don't know what Jeff Weltman's style is going to be because we haven't really seen him through what I would call a real free agency. Sure. His free agency this past year was just, you know, kind of filling, plugging some holes, you know, as best he could with the limited resources he had. So we don't know. Is he going to be the kind of GM? Some of the GMs say, or VP, basketball ops, whatever you want to call them, will say to players, Go get the best offer you can when you're a restricted free agent, and then maybe we'll match it. Others say, we're not even going to play that game. We're going to lock you up right now. We don't know where Weltman is, and that's going to be one of the really fun things to watch play out. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's going to be really interesting. I've, I've kind of suggested, to in my estimation of what's going to happen, I, I kind of think it's going to play out similar to how Tobias Harris's restricted free agency played out, um, where as far as I understand, Rob Hennigan told Tobias Harris and his representation Go get a max offer sheet, and we will match or negotiate a little bit. Negotiate for that extra year. 
Tobias yep. Harris got his max offer sheet from the Kings, never signed it. Uh, the Magic were able to negotiate him at a lower per year number, but I think they gave him that extra year. They gave him the bigger raises that that he was looking for, and you know, all was good until they traded him. You know what? Six months later, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I kind of suspect that that's how Gordon's free agency is going to go. Um, but y- like you said, it, anything can happen. Um, mechanically, um, you know, I, I think this is a good point to mechanically kind of go over. Uh, what happens in restricted free agency? Like how, how does, how does it actually work? Or, or, I mean, you talked about the cap hold, how that kind of sits on your books until you, until you resolve your restricted free agents. If what, what can the, what, 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 what would the process be for the magic? Um, you know, and what can they do with Aaron Gordon while they're waiting for this process to play out? Yeah, so that's a great question. So one thing to clear up is the Magic can sign. It, they, they can't do anything with Aaron Gordon now until we get to July 1st. I mean, and we all know July 29th, 30th, we'll start hearing there's an agreement in place. And that's fine. You know, whatever. That is that is what it is. But but technically on the books, nothing can really happen until July 1st. That's so the NBA the, New Year for everyone that, correct. that, that yep. knows. That's when, the, that's when all yep. the contracts flip over a year. That that's why that's why ESPN paid played Woj a ton of money to be on air at midnight on July first to start <laughs> tweeting out agreements and deals. So anyway, so what they can do with Aaron Gordon is they can they can continue and guaranteed there's still kind of going to be tons of conversation between Aaron Gordon's representatives and the Magic front office between now and then. They're going to have an idea of Magic are going to say here's the offer we're offering you because they will give him something. You know, it might be here's. $7 million a year, sign it right now and we're all good. Or they may say... That would be an insult. <laughs> or Right, yeah. And sometimes that backfires. I don't think it'd be quite that low. Maybe they say $10 million or whatever it is. And then they'll say... Look, to, they have, they'll, start him, they'll start him at 15. I mean, the guy's yeah, averaging it, 17, 18 points per game. He's had a couple 40-point games. He's 22 years old. He's the biggest yeah, thing that the Magic have. He's, he's like... We're using we're using small numbers for for an example's sake. Exactly. He'll, the minimum deal they will send him is probably four years, sixty, and that feels very small. And and it may and and that may be where they say you can do this or go ahead and go out and see what else you can get and then come back to us. Now, what's funny is they don't have to say they were then come back to us part because they. He has to, right? Because he's a restricted free agent. That's what that means. The Magic have the right to match that. Doesn't matter if Aaron Gordon signs, let's say he signs with the Pacers, full max offer, and he says, I'm done. I never want to even come back to Orlando to visit. Doesn't matter. It's not his decision. It's the team's decision. They can bring, they can match that and say, come back here. Now, sometimes that backfires because teams do that, then they match. So how the process will work is, let's just continue to use the Pacers as our example. Let's say the Pacers, that's their guy. They come to the agreement on the terms of whatever it's going to be. Then they sign Aaron Gordon to what's called an offer sheet, which is basically here's the terms of our offer, which let's continue to just say full max offer, full you know raises. We're going to start you at a little over $25 million with the um, 5% raises on top of that, and here's what that works out to. That's what we're going to look to sign you to. to. Then Gordon, now Gordon signs it. Now the Magic have three days to match that offer sheet. So what happens is the Magic have three days to say yes or no. They generally, teams, if they're going to match, they'll still take a couple days just because they're looking to do one of two things. They're either trying to hold up the team that signed him 
to say, hey, because because what happens is that twenty five million immediately goes on Indiana's books. So it's going to sit there as if they did sign the player because you can't come to agreements with six guys. That's not how the process works. So they're going to they're going to sit there and ha- have to hold that money. Or the Magic could say right away, we're not uh, we're not going to match it and just let them go. Or they can say we're going to match it right away. Generally, they take the couple extra days to see what they cannot do. They cannot then come back and say, all right, Aaron, what we'll actually do is we'll start you at twenty five million with eight percent raises. Once an offer sheet is signed, it's either you match it or you let the player go. You cannot renegotiate it after that. And that's the important thing. So what they will ask Aaron Gordon likely to do is go out and get it, which is exactly what you referenced with Tobias Harris. Go out and get the best offer you can get. Don't sign it, though. Bring it back to us, and then we will evaluate against it and figure out. Because maybe the Magic say, yeah, we'll beat that. We'll beat that right now. He signs it, done. You know, we move on to the next guy. Yeah, and I, and that's that's a really good good point and, and definitely good to have the mechanics of that down. The, the next thing I had is another mechanical question um, because I know the rules changed with the new CBA. You talked about sign-in trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe we're getting into this way too early in, in, in the season, but we're, we're talking about it now. How do sign-in trades work under the new CBA? Because I know it's a little bit different. Like, you, like in the old CBA, you could get bird rights or you could use bird rights to sign a guy and then trade him. That's yeah. not the case anymore. That's correct. It isn't. So what, what you used to be able to do is you could sign the player all the way up to whatever the max you could give them was. So that would be, in this case, still it would be the $25 million or so first-year salary, but with 8% raises on top of it because they're you're re-signing your own guy with bird rights. And then you could flip that player to another team in a sign-and-trade. Well, you can't do that anymore. Now in a sign-and-trade, the player can only get what he would get if he signed with that team outright. The NBA eliminated that because it really had turned into kind of a circus. It was Everyone could sign the guy. It was just whether you could work out a yeah, trade to get it. exactly. So it turned into, all right, we're just um, – you know, I'm only re-signing this guy for the express purposes of trading him. Where the NBA, they want the sign and trade, the NBA, the Players Association, everybody. They want that to be a tool to be used, but not the primary tool to start moving players around. And it really became one of those things where, why? what's the point then? You know, make that other team go find a way to clear enough space to sign the guy. And so that became became the thing is you're getting all the benefits of re-signing with the team, but then you're going to play for somebody else. So they eliminated that from the process. So now you can only get the same thing you would get if you signed with the new team using cap space completely outright as you can get in a sign and trade as the player. And all the regular trade rules still are in effect. You can obviously yep. take players into your open cap space, but... Aside from that, you still have to make salaries match. It still has to work on both mm-hmm. ends of the trade, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no special rules as far as that goes. You've got to got to make everything match up and make sure it's all all legal under the trade rules and, and make it work. Otherwise, it's back to the drawing board to figure it out. Um, obviously, um, we, we've hinted at this a little bit, and there's been a lot of articles written ahead of the trade deadline about how this summer is obviously going to be very different than the last two summers for the reasons that you... Um, so, excuse me, that you suggested already in that teams have spent their, their money the last two years. Um, but what, it, I mean, besides the fact that there are so few teams with cap space, of real cap space available, what's going to be really different about this, about this summer 
as far as free agency goes. And, and, and you know, we've talked a little bit maybe about what effect that'll have on Aaron Gordon, but what effect is that going to have on other players that might hit free agency or, or, or teams like the Magic who are kind of capped out and how they attack free agency? Yeah, so here's a couple of cool things. Is one is the the all of the exceptions rose with the cap as the new CBA went into effect. So that's that's a good thing now. Instead of being this really ridiculously low amount for say the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which that's kind of like your your right flat in the middle exception. Instead of being that's this what the really magic low, should have available to them. This exactly. Summer, yep. Yep, you're correct. That's what they should have. Next summer, that projects to be about 8.5, 8.6 million. So that's now a that's a good tool because where it gotten to was it was just kind of this like meh. It's what can you use it on? It's three million dollars, five million dollars. It struggles to be even useful. So what we're gonna see is that becomes a better tool to be able to go out and get players or multiple players because that exception can be split between multiple guys. You could give it to, you know, you could split that $8.6 million among two players and give them, you know, four point three apiece or whatever you wanted to work out. So that becomes a tool that's going to be used again. You're going to see teams, may you may see, again, because you're fully capped out, teams may go back to using the biannual exception. What the biannual exception is, it's one you can only use every other year. This coming year projects to be about $3.4 million. That's another useful piece. You can only and that's sign another thing one the Magic, guy. And that's that's another thing the Magic will have available to them because I don't believe they've, they've been, they yep. were under the cap. They're still under the cap, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they are, yeah. They are under the cap by about three. After trading Peyton, they went back under the cap. There you go. Um, so, yeah, so they, they'd gone slightly over. Now they're back to being being under. So, yeah, so that's, again, that's a good point, too. If you do, if for some reason, let's say the, let's say Aaron Gordon walks and other free agents leave and that the Magic get to be a cap space team, you actually go down to what's called the room exception, and then you lose the biannual exception. Those are not available those bigger exceptions are not available to you if you're if you also have cap space you you have to be over the cap to qualify for these so those two exceptions will get used more often then you're going to see the trade market just standard trades that's going to be bigger because if you want to go get somebody you may not be able to sign someone but then you can make a trade to pick somebody up so you're going to see that then the important thing is let's use a guy like bismack biombo everybody's favorite whipping boy his $17 million, instead of being $17 million over the next three seasons, now it's only $17 million over the next two seasons. I'm assuming he's going to pick up his player option. Now you're in a better better position that becomes that much more tradable because now there's only two seasons you got to work with instead of three. So all of those things start to add up and become a much better uh, more viable um, use of moving players around. And we already talked to sign and trades. Obviously, they're going to become back in vogue because that's going to be a very useful roster building tool. And and kind of indirectly, because I, I wasn't as aware of all the roster crunches and salary crunches that, that were coming this year or this summer. But th- that's one of the reasons why I felt like it was, it was okay for the Magic to sit out this trade deadline or wait things out at this trade deadline. There's obviously some urgency to trade Alfred Payton and, and to trade the guy I'm going to ask about next uh, in Mario Zonia. <laughs> but uh, like Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross with, on expiring deals, I felt like would be much more tradable assets at, in the summer than they are at the trade deadline, aside from the fact that they're injured and it's probably easier to trade guys who are maybe coming off an injury in the summer than it is at the deadline. Um, same thing with Evan Fournier. Maybe a team is not willing to take him with 
three years left on his deal, but or with four years left on his deal, but with three years left on his deal or two years left on his deal, you know, may or maybe that's a little bit more palatable to a team. Um, you know, like like I I always I always say this about trades. Whenever you're trading something, you're trading each other's trash. There's always a reason yep. <laughs> you're trading a guy. Um, so you can't expect a, a perfect situation with with a trade. Obviously, there are definitely situations where you're acquiring stars, and it's clear you're getting the best player in the deal. Uh, but those are fairly rare. And so it'll be interesting to see how the Magic um, uh, play things out. Before we get into some of the scenarios that, that the Magic might face this summer, you've already suggested that that they don't have a lot of wiggle room again this year, which is odd for a team at the bottom of the standings once again. Um, there needs to be some clarity about the Mario Hazonia situation. Um, as everyone knows, and as everyone chooses to remind me and regrets every single day or gets frustrated with regret every single day that he plays extremely well, which he is, the Magic declined his team option on his rookie contract at the beginning of the season. Uh, And so that will make him an unrestricted free agent. Unlike Aaron Gordon, the Magic do not have those matching rights. But there's a difference with what the Magic can do with Mario Hazonia this summer as an unrestricted free agent. Explain those differences, because I've tried. I, I, I try. I think I got it down, but you're the you're the cap guru. Explain those differences. All right. So what happens with Mario Hazonia? So this is something that doesn't happen often. We don't usually see rookie scale team options declined, but they it does happen on occasion. So the Magic declined his rookie scale option, as you said. So what happens with Mario Hazonia now is. He becomes an unrestricted free agent, which you referenced. Generally, guys coming off a rookie-scale contract are restricted free agents, but not when they have their option declined. So he's completely unrestricted. For the Magic, though, they are capped at what they can pay him at the equivalent amount of what his fourth-year rookie-scale contract would have been, which is about $5.2 million, a little shy of that. So what that means for the Magic is they can't go above that doesn't matter if they were to use cap space, an exception, bird rights, does not matter. None of those things come into play. It's only the $5.2 million. Now, they could re-sign him to $5.2 million as a starting salary, then give him 8% raises on that for three to four years or two years or whatever it, whatever they want to do. But they are absolutely 100% capped at that $5.2 million starting salary. That's to close a loophole so teams don't drop a guy's team option, then pay him a whole crap load more money than what it would have been paying him out and extend his contract early that way. That That's why the NBA has it locked in the CBA to say you're capped at paying that out. This is what played out with Austin Rivers most recently. That's probably the most famous example. Pelicans declined his team option. He got traded. And then Ultimately, the Clippers were locked into the amount that they could pay him. Then the Clippers gave him a one plus one deal. He opted out of the second year deal, and then they were would have given the much bigger contract, which he's currently under now. So the Magic would be able to offer him a multi year contract because I was under the impression they could only offer him for one year because yeah, they declined nope. the team option. Yeah, you can offer him just like you would offer anybody else. It's just that starting salary that, that you're capped at. So it's okay. that $5.2 million, but they could offer him three, four years if they wanted to from that. And they have his bird rights. So uh, someone asked me earlier today, Magic should give Hazonia the MLE. They don't even have to do, th- I mean, if the Magic could reach that amount, they, you know, maybe they could. But 
Um, they don't even have to do that because he's been on nope. the team for three years. They can just go over the cap to resign him. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. They can go over the cap. Just, just again, it's, and, and it's, I'm like a broken record with this one. It's just a max of 5.2 million. Okay. That's, that, that's definitely, <laughs> I mean, definitely an interesting wrinkle. Um, uh, something that, that has come up. It's something that everyone's asking because Hazonia is playing so extraordinarily well right now. Um, are you, I mean, back to basketball now, instead of, instead of capology, are you surprised that Hazonia it has stepped up the way that he stepped up. I mean that that I mean because at, at the time that the Magic climbed the team option, most of most of us would say that's probably not a good decision. But what evidence is there that he's going to be a rotation player for you? This isn't the management group that drafted him, so be it. Are, are you yeah. surprised that he's he's stepped up this way with the opportunity that he's gotten? You know, it's funny. I, I want to say no, <laughs> but I really am. Uh, he's he looked so bad the last couple of seasons and really early this season. He just, he, it was almost borderline. Is this guy even an NBA player? Like that's really where it was. Yeah. And I, I thought that there was at least a, I don't know, 25% chance. He was just going to say, forget it. I'll just go back over to Europe, make a ton of money, be comf- more comfortable probably. And I'll be a better player and a bigger star. And I thought he might even be a guy, maybe he goes away, goes back over to Europe for, three, four seasons, then maybe comes back when he's a little older and has figured things out. That was a little less likely because teams just don't give up. What is he? He's 21, 22. Um, so, or just, I guess. He's really young. Yeah. Yeah. He's two weeks from being 23. I just looked it up. So, so two two weeks from, 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 uh, I'm sorry, 12, 12, 11 days, actually. So um, he'll be 23 years old. You don't just give up on 23-year-olds in the NBA. Somebody else would have re-signed him, or not re-signed him, but signed him, rather, to give him another shot. But there was at least some percent chance he leaves. So, yeah, I'm very surprised. It's one of those things, though, where I have to wonder, is it is this kind of a who else is going to do these things? Who else is going to score the ball? Who else can make plays? But I always go back to it's better to see him do it than not do it, and he hadn't done it to this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I, I was probably, as much as the, Mar- the Mario stands hate me, because I was, as much as anyone saying, I, I don't see it in this guy. And, and even now, is playing really, really well, and I thought his the goal this year for him was he needed to prove that he could be a rotation-caliber player. And I think in the last month or so, he's proven that, yes, you give him the minutes, give him a little bit of freedom, maybe, he will be a rotation caliber player. I still think there are a lot of problems with Azonia. Like, everyone, I feel like, is acting like the Magic are losing some kind of superstar. This guy isn't fifth overall pick Mario Azonia. He's playing very, very well, and he's having some big games. Everyone in the NBA can have a big game, though. It's what you can do every single night. That's The, the NBA is about consistency. Yep. Uh, let me let me flip it. Can I ask you a question? Go, no, go for it. I, I know it's your show, but I want to ask you a question. I think a lot of what's going on with Hazonia, what happened with Alfred Payton getting traded, I think Magic fans are shell shocked by what happened with Victor Oladipo. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, we gave up this guy, and now look at him. Now he's an all star, and he's one of the better you know players in the league this season, and probably going forward. And I think it's I think. People are now saying, I heard people say, now Alfred Payton will be an all-star in two years. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I've heard people say, and they gave up on Mario Hazonia, and look, he's going to be awesome in a couple seasons. I just, 
I think it's, you know, and if you want to go further back, you've got J.J. Redick and Tobias Harris and, you know, it's a couple other guys in there that, you know, the Magic, when they let them go, they they blossomed and became something else. It's That's what I think has people more stuck on things, and I think now it's almost become a mindset. You're much closer than I am, but I feel like the mindset is – it's going to happen with every single young guy who leaves. They're all going to end up great. And I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I told people in the magic trick, I said it earlier in the show, I'll say it again every time. Payton's going to put up numbers in Phoenix. Yeah. He's, he's a, he is not a bad basketball player. He is a good basketball player. He is probably, he can start for you if you need him to. Should he, is he the starter on a championship team? Probably not, but he's a good player. Um, and yeah, like like I've said about Victor Oladipo, I kind of feel like when the Magic traded Oladipo, it was an understandable risk. Um, but I, I think with Magic fans, I think shell shock is 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 the right term for it. Everyone is so used to Rob Hennigan. I don't want get, to say getting swindled in deals, but God, Northwestern just did an inbounds turnover. I feel like I have to mention that. <laughs> oh, um, it's a magic game. It's a magic game now. Um, I, I was I was telling Keith uh, before we started recording, uh, I'm watching Northwestern collapse the same way that the magic collapse every single night. I cheer for the worst teams in the world. Um, but um, back 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 to this point. Um, I think everyone is just so used to not trusting their front office. And yeah, be skeptical. Like a healthy amount of skepticism as a fan is a good thing. Don't believe... You know all the hype or all the all the the PR talk. No offense to to the Magic PR crew, um, but don't always believe all the PR talk and 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 always look at things with a critical eye. I mean, not everything works out perfectly, um, mm-hmm. or as as everyone intends. The Rob Hennigan era is certainly an example of that. Um, but I think everyone is just very afraid because the Magic have had a lot of short term thinking. They've had they've made a lot of mistakes, uh, and now because of those mistakes, they're in a deep deep hole. And everyone knows this team needs change. But I still think that the biggest issue is fans always value their own players more than the market does, more than Absolutely. other teams actually value, especially on a bad team. Yep. A lot of teams can easily say the mag- Magic players are putting up empty stats. What are they going to actually do when, it, when the chips count? And, and this is why... I will continue to beat the ha- beat the drum for this. Orlando needs to win. Winning, I-, I get the lottery odds, I get all that, but building a winning culture will ultimately make your team, your franchise, and your players better. No matter what you how you can do it. And so when I say the Magic need to win, I'm simply saying the Magic need to make the best of whatever time they have left this season. They can't just throw it away. There are development opportunities, and you're not going to be able to trade all these guys. Evan Fournier might be back next year. Nick, they Magic may not be able to find a deal they like for Nikola Vucevic. They're not just going to dump him, I don't think. He's still a valuable player. Mm-hmm. They're not going to dump these players until they have to, like they did with Alfred Payton. Yeah. And so, the Northwestern just had another inbounds turnover. Um, <laughs> Rutgers is on a 15-2 run and winning in overtime. I'm sorry. Um, but... Uh, Yes, there is definite shell shock. There's definite. There's this definite belief that the Magic are always going to lose trades. Well, guess what? The Magic need to flip this roster over anyway. These players, yeah. we know what they will do with each other and on this team. So if they develop into stars somewhere else, 
that says more about the Magic and the change that they need to make. Yep. Fortunately, I think Jeff Weltman, John Hammond, Becky Bonner, David Tenney, Frank Vogel, Jay Hernandez, Chad Forcier, Corliss Williamson, Matt Hill, I think they are making that change. And honestly, regardless of whether Mario Zonia walks or not, I think Mario Zonia is example one of that. Yeah, well, one thing I want to say with Mario Hazonia, too, is and I can say this with a completely critical eye because I have no, other than the fact that I, I live in Orlando, I have no attachment to the team. I'm not a fan of the team. I didn't grow up a fan of the team. I obviously, you and I have talked this a million times. I want them to do well because I want the people here to be happy and I want to see playoff basketball games. Yes. You know, that's, that's you know, com- completely selfish reasons there. But so when I evaluate Mario Hazonia, I, one of the things I ask these people who are like, I can't believe they declined his fourth year you know, option. Look at how great this guy's playing and all that. Where was this the last three years? Now, year one, year two, that's probably not fair. He wasn't going to be that guy. He was so young when he came in. But last year, he wasn't this. He wasn't even this at the beginning of this season. And people occasionally people well he didn't get any time he didn't get any minutes he got given plenty of minutes and plenty of opportunities yeah he was given so many times and i you and i have had this conversation in the arena where i have i've gotten so completely disgusted and frustrated with watching him miss a three-pointer and then half-heartedly wave as a pass gets thrown over his head for a transition basket the other way and it's one of those things where it's he's not blameless in this the team didn't didn't hit a point where it's just, oh, you know, we don't have enough money to pay this guy. They would have been perfectly content had he shown the development necessary. Now, what happens sometimes is maybe this was the this was what lit the fire under him to figure it out. Like, hey, now I'm playing for my career here. This isn't just, you know, somebody finally said to him for the first time, we don't want you. And we are not a big part of it. And good on him for responding the way he has. But he's not blameless for the way things went up until this point. And in the other piece is this is probably more applicable to Peyton. For those people who have said is they just gave away the former number 10 pick. Who cares where he was drafted? That doesn't matter anymore. That's yeah. completely over and done with it. The example I use is anybody who plays fantasy sports, fantasy football, is when your buddy's like, I can't trade you him. I used the first round pick on him. Well, we're six weeks into the season. I don't care where you traded, what round you drafted the guy in. It doesn't matter anymore. And it's roughly the same way in the NBA. It doesn't matter that he was the 10th overall pick, or I believe that's what he was, whatever he was drafted at. It doesn't matter because – is he that guy? No, he's not that guy. So who cares? You know, so it's at this point, it's about, all right, we're, he's not part of the future, so move on. Now, Mario, they have a little bit of that safety net where they still could re-sign him if they really wanted to. Maybe Mario says, I'm done. I'm an unrestricted free agent. I'll take less money somewhere else for, for a change of scenery, better opportunity, whatever it may be. But I don't know that the Magic lose in that. Even if he goes somewhere else and develops into a you know consistent 15-point-per-game scorer and a good outside shooter and a playmaker and all these other things, yeah, you're a little upset that it didn't happen here. But was it going to happen here? No. And to the point you made, I think they finally have some of the right people here to make sure it does happen here. I believe that if Jonathan Isaac can get here, can get there as a player, they have the right people in the building to get him there as a player now. Where the last you know, three, four seasons leading into this one. I'm not entirely sure the right people were in the building to get those guys where they needed to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's absolutely criti- critical. I mean, you had Victor Oladipo on, on, on Woj's podcast say, I would not have become what I am today in Orlando. And, and that's yep. always the point I bring up. Olad- uh, people are very scarred by the Oladipo trade. Um, and it's, it's, it's fair. Uh, it was it, it 2020 hindsight says it was a bad deal. It may have made sense. There might have been some logic behind it. But yes, Oladipo eventually became, or at least has this year, what we always wanted him to be in Orlando, but he wasn't getting there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's no indication that he would have. And so changing situations, getting, getting some different people in the locker room, again, being in a good culture, a winning culture, that all helps. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm, I'm, I've been vehement, vehemently anti-tank. Other than the fact that I just don't trust the ping pong balls anymore, I don't trust the lottery to, to be my salvation anymore. I'm done. I'm done watching this team rely wholly on luck to succeed. You can find good players anywhere in the draft. Um, you know, well, Kyle, and that's like, one of the things and that's John what, Hammond has done. Right? Yeah, he's and found good players in the in the teens and later in the draft, even in the second round. He's got a pretty good uh, track record of coming up. And I I also like the fact that I think they've got a couple guys who they'll. They're willing to maybe gamble a little bit on a player. You know, John Hammond, he gambled two two big gambles. Giannis Antetokounmpo, when a lot of people were like, we don't even know what this guy is. Yeah. He's intriguing, but we don't know. And then he gambled on Thon Maker. Giannis is now obviously one of the best players in the entire NBA. And Thon Maker is still super young and is already a key rotation player for, for what's going to be a playoff team. You know, though, that, those are the kind of moves sometimes you need to make. Occasionally you miss on them. But, you know, sometimes you hit Joe on Alexander when you're doing it. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, but it's funny. I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine the other day. Show me a GM and I'm going to show you some draft misses. Oh, yeah. It is. It's a it's a it's an art it's as much shoot. as it is a science. Yeah. You you just don't know with some of these guys. And, I, and, and I that's why and that's it. why I feel the environment that player comes into matters as much as the player you pick. You can have the most talented player. I mean. You, if you have the most talented player in the world, he'll figure it out. LeBron James went to a Cleveland Cavaliers team with Ricky Davis on it. Yeah, um, he, he figured it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not worried about LeBron. Yeah, there absolutely. are no there are no LeBrons in this draft. Uh, everyone's super high on Luka Doncic. Everyone's super high on DeAndre Ayton. Everyone's super high on Trey Young, and and there are several other really good players in this draft. There uh, are no tran- to me. There are no transcendental players in this draft. You need a culture. You need an atmosphere that will help that player develop to become a really good player. That's going to be the key. So I want to say two things on the tanking. And one one is probably a little less obvious. And that that is when you start to win games, it does make a difference for free agents. Free agents will look and say, man, you know, we went in and played that Orlando team in late March, early April. They were playing really hard and they beat us. And they've got – you know, these five guys coming back, I maybe I can be the guy who helps lift them over the hump, you know, pushes them forward. It does mean something. Now, here's the other thing. Well, I'm going to say three things. So the second thing is they're bad. It, they don't need to tank. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I, I tell them, I tell know, people that all the time. Yeah, you've got eight teams that are all basically clustered together all around the same amount, which is funny. I forget. I apologize because I don't remember who put this on Twitter earlier today. There are Every single team by the All-Star break is going to have 18 wins. We haven't had that in I don't know how long. And that tells me that the teams, we've probably got more bad teams that are just beating each other. Um, at the bottom, you don't have you don't have a Philadelphia who's basically losing nine out of every 10 games. 
so so that's where you're at with that one the other thing that i think people will people who say you know this team should tank that team should tank tell me who the magic should be tanking with because they're already playing all of the worst players on the roster unless you're literally saying they should have given away vooch and fournier and dj augustine and just brought up a ton of guys on 10-day contracts and g-league call-ups they're already playing all the worst players on the roster they, unless you literally are saying start a Wundu and mac and birch and jamel artists on the two-way contract and marie spates and just play them 48 minutes which would never happen there's nobody there's nobody to turn to 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 tank more i guess so they're just kind of they're just bad, you know, and that's and that's just the reality of where they're at. They don't need to purposely be worse than they already are. They're already pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, and, and on top of, <laughs> I mean, on top of that, just from a, I mean, culture is a word that even Jeff Weltman says he doesn't like. Yep. You want players trying to win games when players mm-hmm. are when players are participating in the lo- in the losing purposefully or whatever. That's not healthy. Like, yep. like if if you're upset that a player is trying to win a game. You're the problem, not the player. I'm sorry. Um, Absolutely, that's, that's, yeah. that's the end of my rant. Uh, we've gone much longer than I want to go, and I don't. I have not even gotten to the one thing that I wanted to make sure I get to. But I will <laughs> ask sure. it. I'll ask it to you here as a last question. You've you've already said earlier on the show that the Magic don't likely have much cap room. Yep. Um, or all of it has to go to Aaron Gordon. What is the Magic's cap situation? Um, just, just, just as we move forward, he- heading into the off season, or, or at the moment, you know, maybe they sign a like a Troy Copain to a two year deal with non guaranteed second year or whatever. But as we sit here today on nearing eleven thirty February thirteenth, heading into Valentine's Day February fourteenth, where do the Magic stand preparing for the summer? What what can they do? Yeah, so where the Magic are at is they can get to a max of about twenty point five million in cap space. But then that is the max they can get to. So what I always say is look at the max a team can get to, then start subtracting everything that they're likely to keep and hang on to away from that. We know Aaron Gordon. They're not just going to let Aaron Gordon walk away and say, we're done. We're, he's not even part of anything. So now you've already taken away $16.5 million. So now let's say you're down to $4 million. Let's just make the math easy. Four to $8 million is going to be the cap hold for wherever their first-round pick drops if they land at the number one overall pick being super optimistic it's about eight million or so on the cap hold if they if it slides all the way down to number eight or so that's about four million so right there just between gordon and the first round pick you're already completely capped out then you've got mario hazonia's cap hold believe it or not i know this is a dirty term for magic fans they still have a cap hold for fran vasquez hell yeah way back when now they could easily say we're not going to they actually underwent there's a process where look it's super cap nerdy stuff if people really want to know hit me up on twitter but there's a process you can do to remove that cap hold without getting rid of the player's rights so they could do that and then they, then they've got their minimum guys, uh, Flalo and, and Marie Spates, and then they could always wave Shelvin Mack and eat his small guarantee, wave the non guaranteed deal for Ken Birch. I don't think any of those things are going to happen though, because strictly because of Gordon and where the first round pick lands, they're going to be a capped out team, and that's that's because of the contracts we know: Biombo, Fournier, Vucevic, and 
uh, Ross. Those are those are the big money deals that are eating up most of your cap space along with the, those two cap holds. So that basically is your capped out team, which means they're going to have that $8.5, $8.6 million uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception as well as the biannual exception available to them as well as what should be a really good draft pick. And then beyond that, it's really the trade market is where you're looking at working into it. Even if Gordon leaves, you still you're still only looking fifteen million ish or so in cap space. So still not a lot to do a whole heck heck of a lot with. You're probably better, you know, pursuing other options at that point and seeing what you can do. So I would not expect a uh, super active free agent signing period out of the Orlando Magic, but that does not mean it won't be a really active off season. Yes, and and as I always say, do not take a lack of reporting of rumors to be a lack of activity. You right. never know what's going to happen. Um, Keith, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. We've gone way over time here. I appreciate <laughs> you very much for your time. I was running late. We had some computer issues, um, but we got it done. Unfortunately, Northwestern did not as, as they fell to, to the Rutger uh, on the road in overtime. But Keith, uh, where, can, where can everyone find you if they have any more cap questions or anything else they want to talk to you about um, regard, regarding anything really, I guess, uh, the rest of the season? Yeah, for sure. You can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm pretty active on there. A lot of cap and roster related stuff. You can always hit me up if you have questions at Keith Smith, NBA, K-E-I-T-H-S-M-I-T-H, NBA, no spaces, no special characters, nothing like that. Simple one there. You can find my written work generally around salary cap, roster building, and general NBA topics at Real GM. And then if for any reason any of your listeners are interested in Celtics-specific coverage, I do write for Celtics blog as well. So you can find find that there there are uh, some things there I, I i tend to share some of the stuff there if it becomes a uh, relatable situation to another team's uh, player situation i'll reshare hey here's what i wrote just substitute your guy and your team in there but yeah if, if anybody's questions hit me up on twitter at keith smith nbn i'm happy to help answer whatever i can that is our personal stat cap guru keith smith thank you very much for joining the show today keith uh, i'm gonna do my clothes here now real fast uh you can of course Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on Twi- on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Uh, you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com, as well as follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. Tomorrow, Wednesday's episode will be our last episode of the week as we take an all-star break hiatus. We'll be back um, shortly after the All-Star break. I haven't decided when I'm, when I'm going to come back, but we will be back shortly after the All-Star break for sure. Tomorrow's episode will recap the Magic's final game before the All-Star break as they take on the Charlotte Hornets at the Amway Center, 7 o'clock uh, tip-off there for a Valentine's Day tilt with the Hornets. It's also apparently Pride Night, which gets kind of awkward with the Magic, and if you know why, you should know why. Um, thanks every guy, thanks again to Keith for joining us for today's show. Thanks everyone again for listening to our longer episode here today for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. This has been Philip Rossenreich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.